keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roast. I am your host this week, Robert Karpolis. Uh, Don't adjust that dial. Dan St. Germain is not here. The Dave Meltzer uh, restraining order finally kicked in. He is on the lam for this week. And Scotty uh, is on vacation. Uh, So that explains why New Japan is not being pirated at the same level it normally is. But in their absence, we have the Terry Funk of the Wrestle Rose universe, the retired and now temporarily unretired Mike Lawrence. Mike, welcome. Yep, I was gone about as long as uh, CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, this, this, this podcast will be SummerSlam 2011 uh, with, a, with a Nash running at the end. Um, uh, no, man. packs ready. No, I, I, you know, uh, the guy said they couldn't make it. Um, I'm starting work later today. And I was like, you know what? I'll do it. Fuck it. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, I just get to talk to Robert. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> this will be by far the nerdiest and most esoteric episode of WrestleRoast <laughs> ever. And I guarantee you guys are going to love it. Uh, we've got yeah. a... Uh, almost a six count, five and a half count. What, Dan, it's Dan's gimmick with the numbers. Yeah, there's a lot of shit. You know, it's also, it's like, this will be an episode where you say a thing and I listen, then I say a thing and you listen. We're So we're just doing a lot of experimental shit. But if you listen closely, you will still hear Scott trying to interrupt us from a distance from his vacation. <laughs> like in his astral form? Yes. He feels like a bird, like it's like 11 on Stranger Things. It just is a black space and then just Scott. And he's just yelling, you're wrong. Take a shit is better than Randy Orton. <laughs> but and Tony the, uh, Khan is the master of puppets. All right. He is. Uh, he, Tony <laughs> Khan is, is something else. We'll get to him later. But the very first thing we're talking about here, uh, earlier this week, WWE announced that at the San Diego Comic-Con, they will be making available no holds barred action figures. It is Hulk Hogan as Rip, and it's Zeus, and it comes in a VHS case holder, and this has led to Mike and I saying, fuck it, we're starting the show, <laughs> talking about No Holds Barred. First, let's talk about the action figure, because we rarely ever talk about figures here. This is legitimately one of the coolest, most bizarre things WWE has put out in a long time. Yeah, I mean, and let's give, uh, yeah, Battelle credit here uh you know let's give another uh multi-billion dollar corporation no but it's it's amazing yeah because san diego comic-con exclusives this is what they should be they are niche they're fun and they're the kind of thing that a lot of people are like i kind of want that i don't and if you don't get it now uh the price on the aftermarket is going to be really high uh last year i think they did like a ultimate edition like sergeant slaughter 
they've done like other things like that um uh marvel once did like the defenders you know it's like shit where it's like they did like a a colleen wing figure where they're like we don't know if people are gonna buy this in the store but um but this this is amazing this is i think the thing that really does it for me is yeah so they're in a box and then uh the box has a vhs cassette that the figures are in and they're staring at each other just like the fucking poster like that extra level of detail um and that hogan comes with a dookie face (laughs) he's got the uh yeah it's you know it's also like when i started collecting uh wrestling figures at first i really was like i think i'm just gonna get the dead guys uh, and that should be a lot of figures still. And then, um, you know, it's like, what, what's you, you know, you're like, well, then I kind of need Michaels. I kind of need this person. And then you know, an addiction starts. But uh, but Zeus has never had a figure in this line. And so that's really exciting to get the Zeus. I mean, the rip, it, like, here's the thing. I would buy this if it was just Zeus. Him with the rip is like kind of fun, but. I would I would easily take a Zeus and Brel over a Zeus and Rip. Yes. I don't think there's enough Kurt Fuller action figures out there. No, there aren't. Um, With, and David Paymer. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, Hulk is fucking great, man. I, I love that movie. Um, yeah, there are better movies, but there are very few movies as entertaining. No Holds Barred is such a weird movie because when you when you look back on it historically it's it's considered a huge failure by but for wwf financially um they they it became a punchline for them for a very long time they finally went back and sort of embraced what it was but when it came out it was the number two movie in the country behind indiana jones so this thing did sell tickets like people went out and saw it and what's fun is the hatred and vitriol in a lot of the reviews for this movie at the time, because there was still that barrier of if you've made a movie, it was expensive. Like film cost a lot to get released in theaters cost a lot. So they didn't like the, the fact that there was a wrestling movie that was coming out with Hogan. And then the, the critics went out of their way to really just try to shit on this thing as much as they could in 2022 younger people don't have that kind of appreciation because I could take an iPhone and make a semi-decent looking movie and get it released on VOD. I mean, we watched that terrible Kevin Nash COVID-19 movie, which uh, was probably a fraction of the budget that it took to make No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred cost $8 million at the time. And and you see it all on the screen. I mean, there are so many tassels. There's there's uh, Jesse Ventura, last week's uh, roast victim, was uh, was in this. It was strange though because it's peak hogan but it's hogan not playing hogan but he's essentially playing hogan in a wrestling movie where there is no like it's it's like wrestling if kayfabe existed and that's where you you're just watching it and it's just so many levels of of strange all in one to try to make sense of this movie Dude, this is amazing so i'm looking at like the top movies at the time um yeah, and Indiana Jones was there. This also this came out the same week as Dead Poet Society. It's <laughs> just fucking amazing. Um, yeah, it was second, and then you had See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Number four was Field of Dreams. I also so, love that See No Evil was the next WWE movie. Like yeah. Vince looked at the body, he's like, someday. Oh, if I can't beat you, I'll become you. Um, and then uh, but you know what other movie was in the theater at this time? 
motherfucking Roadhouse. Roadhouse. I mean, this look like I, I know there's still a lot of great movies. I definitely believe we were in a golden age of television, but when you look at like this top 10, man, uh Rain Man, uh Major League, Pet Cemetery, like it fucking is <laughs> pretty amazing. And then like 89 is one of the biggest summers ever because that was like I was six at the time. That was I think that was Back to the Future 2, that was Ghostbusters 2, that was Batman, yeah, that, that was, was Batman. UHF. <laughs> <laughs> batman then uhf right after uh hey man i i i know my audience and it's uhf myself. hey it's one of the best michael richards movies uh one of the others by the way so i married next where has been on a lot recently and that's a that's a hidden gem one of my favorite things about no holds barred was there was a script that was commissioned for this and vincent hogan decided to rewrite it over the course of 72 hours in a hotel and i keep picturing that episode of frazier where Frazier and Niles were trying to write a book <laughs> together, but then it's just Hulk and Vince in a hotel room uh, at a time where there are no computers. This must have been, I mean, the amount of cocaine consumed in Daytona, oh, yeah, man. Florida to make this, this amazing motion picture. Not and then, since last night's Dynamite have we seen that much cocaine <laughs> or the week before's Dynamite or the oh, week before. <laughs> first of all, Hogan and Vince could not handle as much as Tony Tweaker Khan can <laughs> shove up his nostrils. Um, the strange thing about this, for me, whenever I think of No Holds Bar, it's stupid, but I always think of that one random clip of Hogan riding on the motorcycle and there's the guy in the background throwing a dog into the lake. It is the most bizarre, like, movie thing. It doesn't matter wrestling or not. Like, just in cinematic history, there's just a – you go back and watch it. There's just a dude throwing a dog into the lake. This was up there when they thought that there was, like, the ghost in Three Men and a Baby. And it turns out it was just a, a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. Um, <laughs> but this is legit. Like, there's no, there's never been follow-up. There's never been a, no, that wasn't the kid. It's like, it's a guy grabbing a dog and basically murdering it on camera. Um, and it's still not the biggest atrocity in this film. No Holds Barred was classic Vince in that this, but kind of like the XFL, it took over everything else. When it came out on pay-per-view, uh, they knew this movie was not going to draw. So they put together a series of matches uh, that was the No Holds Bar, the, the the movie, the match. And the card for that, that show included like Dusty Rhodes versus the Big Boss Man. You had Ultimate Warrior on there. And then they did Beefcake and Savage against, uh, oh, sorry, no, it was Beefcake and Hogan against Zeus and Savage. Uh, and and Zeus, great actor, Tony Lister, a tiny Lister, fantastic actor, not the best wrestler. Oh, and not the best actor. Uh, he's he's fun. You believe that he's Zeus in this? I mean, I, I believe love, he is the president of the galaxy in in uh, Fifth Element. I, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that he is a a Frenchman's vision of what the president of the the, the universe should be. Um, I, I yeah, my my thing. Noah's Bard was one of those. I didn't see it until home video. I didn't see it in yeah. theaters. Like all these other movies we're talking about that came out around this time, I saw a lot of. You know, I did go to the movies a lot, but No Holds Barred was one of those, like, you know, you're six years old, uh, you still need a parent to take you or an after-school camp, and my after-school camp did not go to No we, we did go to Back to the Future, too. My dad did take me to Batman, but no one was going to take me to No Holds Barred, but, you know, someone would rent it for me and then make me watch it alone, uh, <laughs> knowing the person I'd be now. And, uh, you know, and so I saw it, like, 
you know, a year or two after. But I, I, I mean, I remember all of the hype on WWF television at the time. But I mean, it is, it is like fun. I mean, like it's not a great movie, but it has that formula that works. That you know, it, it's basic enough. You know, it's aping better movies. Uh, I love the fact, like, one of my favorite things about this movie will always be that Hulk Hogan isn't playing Hulk Hogan, but he is playing Hulk Hogan. Like, exactly. There is no discernible difference between Rip and, I mean, I'm sure the real Hulk Hogan also fucked Joan Severance. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I you know like, so. yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, Kurt Fuller, like, is so good in this. I mean, this, this is comparable to me to uh, another classic 80s movie, uh, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, which also has your like squirrely, balding, you know, executive villain and then your muscle. And I will say, I do think Shonuff, the Shogun of Harlem, is a little better than Zeus, but Zeus is awesome. And my, uh, my second favorite thing in this movie is that you had Vincent Hogan rewrite the script, which I remember St. Germain telling me he wanted to do a play that is just about that 72 hours. And I would fucking love that. <laughs> I would, I would watch the shit out of that. Um, but, but, uh, but the thing is like, um, God, I'm blanking on what I was going to say. I was just fucking raving about no holds bar. It's I think, but as far as like wrestling movies go, because before that there was body slam and then there was, uh, all the marbles, the 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 uh, with uh, with what with Columbo, uh, Peter and there's Falk. the the wrestler with um, Vern Gagne, and yeah. uh, that's that, that's from like the seventies. Like, yeah, it's like all that crazy footage, and then subsequently, it's like wrestling used to be years and years ago was like an exploitation genre in film. I mean, if you go back and watch Barton Fink, the whole premise of Barton Fink is about writing a uh, a wrestling picture. Um, or if it's, you read the first appearance of Spider-Man. If you read the first appearance of Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's like, oh, shit, I got these powers. I want to make a quick buck. Oh, I had the last three minutes in the ring with... And in, in, in the comics, it is... He's named Crusher Hogan. I love in the movie, like, Savage is probably like, I'm not going to be Hogan. I'm Bonesaw. <laughs> not playing Hogan. Uh, yeah, I can't blame him. But, and then, you know, later on, you get, like, ready to rumble but wwe for all the wwe studio movies they made after they never really made a never made a wrestling movie again it yeah. is I mean, they made some of the cartoons where it was like the jetsons meet the wwe or whatever but you have other entities like i think darren aronofsky is the wrestler or what you see on heels now tells those stories really really well and it's strange of the you know write what you know when wwe got into making films they wanted to use their superstars without letting them do what makes them the best. Uh, I get Kane and see no evil. And they wanted to do the undertaker in a Western at one point. Um, and some of the movies that they churned out like John Cena is a Marine or, or whatever, but to, to make a wrestling movie when you have WWE studios and then never do it has always been an odd, an odd decision from, from my perspective. The knucklehead have some wrestling in it. I never saw knucklehead. Um, I never saw Knucklehead. I, it might, but I, I don't know. Okay, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a, essentially a wrestling no yeah, movie. I, I so it, it's it, it's just it's weird. Um, I, I know that you know a lot of those guys like Brian uh, Gerwitz has his book coming out soon. 
that'll be interesting with what those stories are. And then you have Young Rock on TV now, which I know has been hit and miss in terms of the ratings. I think it was strange doing a whole first season of a show without the rock as you know as a wrestler it's like let's show him as a football player and then show him as a guy who has a dad that's not a total piece of shit and people aren't gonna buy into that they want to see rock as a wrestler and rocky johnson making babies and that's eventually (laughs) what you're gonna get uh but no no holds barred it's such a fun movie and it's weird that it's not streaming anywhere no i know that was the thing i was like i kind of want to watch it again before we talk about it and you can't find it and, um, you know, what was fascinating. Oh, this is what I was going to say was it's so amazing that this is, yeah, this comes out in 89 and you have the Royal Rumble already. You have SummerSlam, you have Survivor Series, you have very well-named iconic pay-per-views that have clearly stood the test of time. The event is Battle of the Tough Guys. It is the dumbest name. <laughs> it is, but it is such a placeholder name. Like as, as someone who's like been in writing rooms, you know, that's like, you're fucking tired. You're trying to figure shit out. You're like, what are we going to call it? All right, battle the tough guys. But, you know, we'll think of something better on set. And they never did. No, because you know what it is? At the end, Vince can't get out of his own way. And he sees the fictional version of this company as competition. And he still wants to make himself seem better than anything else. It's kind of like when he buys WCW and ECW. It's like, I'm not going to use those guys. They're losers but you're under your contract. It's like, I don't want Rip to wrestle in a better named event than what I have. <laughs> but another cool thing about this, uh, it's very video gamey in that every time like they fight someone, they have their own stage. You yes. know, like I love that uh, Zeus fights like the big like industrial like fat guy. There's so many just fat guys in this. And, um, but it's like in a steel mill. And like it felt, it felt like like Zangief in the Russian tank or something. It was like the the drunk tank. It's like so fucking fun that uh, there's just all these like big fat dudes, and then Hogan and Zeus. <laughs> like they took all of the steroids in this universe. Um, and and I mean, this movie probably gave Stan Hansen health insurance. Uh, he's in it, teeny weenies. Uh, <laughs> um, who is it? Oh. Um, at the beginning of the movie, I believe Axe is in it. That's correct. I was gonna, I was trying to think of his real name, Edie, Bill Edie, Bill Edie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and but what's weird about this is this is peak Hogan cartoon character style. Like kids love him. This is a pretty bloody fucked up movie. Like there's abductions, there's attempted rape. Yeah, uh, there's Dookie. It's a uh, it's a so vicious. Is, I, I think that's the most fascinating thing about this movie is. It really is before the Attitude Era. You know, this is 89. This is, you know, eight years before 97 of the birth of the Attitude Era. We got to see what Vince's true vision of what entertainment is. And it's all of this dark fucking shit. And it's all these poop jokes and wiener jokes. And, you know, like he couldn't do those on his programming at the time. But he fucking puts them all in this movie. (laughs) Yes, this is this is the real moment when the attitude era was born. Uh, but uh, but speaking of Vince, we're gonna uh, we're gonna pivot because this movie is about a crazed you know network megalomaniac who needs yeah. to be brought down. And instead of that, we're gonna talk about Vince McMahon. Uh, yeah, from and- no holds barred, we go to no holes barred. No disclosures allowed. <laughs> uh, is- 
is here so yeah vince since we since we last met guys uh since we last convened wwe has this nice way of like we record a show it's great we're excited for you to hear it and then the next day massive bomb hits and we're already like uh yesterday's news so last friday the wall street journal uncovered several more allegations about vince mcmahon and a couple people have talked on the on the facebook page hey what you know what are, what are the thoughts on this and what I'll say is, number one, obviously, non-disclosure agreement, you're putting that in place because you don't want somebody to talk. You did something, doesn't matter what it is, these exist a lot in, in corporate America, in, in sports world, having lived in both of those. Not that I'm saying I've seen any of these things, but it is very common where you just don't want stuff to get out and you're willing to pay for it. And this this constant uncovering of information and uh, the, the guys were on Busted Open Radio recording this Thursday night. They were talking about how anonymous emails got sent to the board of directors, which is what first opened Pandora's box. So it's who sent the emails and what happened. Long story short, the, the latest round of allegations, the most troubling piece of it is that Vince supposedly paid about seven and a half million dollars to an unnamed female talent who he coerced into performing fellatio. And then when she subsequently rejected his further advances, he demoted and ultimately fired her. These are the allegations in the NDA. Um, the, the question then becomes, well, why, why is he still there? Yes, he stepped down as CEO uh, and they put Stephanie in place, but I mean, come on, um, that's, that's, uh, it, that's all for show. Vince is still running creative. Vince is still backstage. At the end of the day, the, the book still stops with him. Darth Vader did not control the Empire. The Emperor did. And, and Stephanie is basically Vader right now, labor breathing. But that's really Hunter after the heart attack. But <laughs> And I just imagine Stephanie with the Vader mask, but like Vader, you know, like WCW <laughs> It's time. It's time. It's yeah. Stephanie. Time. The ghost of Harley races behind her. <laughs> trying gonna, desperately to cash that paycheck. You're going to run this company, sweetheart. <laughs> um, that's what he used to say to Hunter. Just whisper <laughs> into his ear gingerly. Um, the, the damning thing about the alley, I mean, that's the biggest allegation. Now, obviously, people have detected it out and they, they think that they know. I know nothing of it. It happens coincidentally while i was there the, these relationships supposedly occurred i know nothing of it didn't hear anything of it people like to put the timeline together they claim it may have been christy hemi who the hell knows it doesn't matter ultimately the question that's been posed is harvey weinstein got brought down because of of these sorts of allegations jeff zucker got brought down by significantly less allegations there were lots of me too and times up uh stuff that came out and these people faced consequences and vince one week later, really haven't been any consequences. And I think part of the reason is there is no face to the allegations. And unfortunately, in this day and age, and in, in this sort of society and culture, unless you have the smoking gun, people aren't going to demand action. And in talking about No Holds Barred, Vince desperately wanted to leave the world of wrestling and be respected in Hollywood, be respected in the broader entertainment industry. And when this movie tanked, he, he continued to try to make different forays into mainstream. Uh, he created a movie studio. He created a record label. He created a, a book imprint, a restaurant, a football I think, I think most importantly, after this, he tried the WBF. He tried the WBF to get around a reason <laughs> to bring Lex Luger into existence. But um, it's, it's crazy that, like, this didn't work, but he thought that, like, bodybuilding <laughs> would. 
I mean, he just nice. went the was, other way. Yeah, it was a different time. Like, all right, so they want to look at him. They just don't want to hear him talk. <laughs> Which, you know, given the way some of those guys talk, not a terrible idea. No, but, no, especially Lex Luger. But the irony is all of his is trying to be accepted. The thing that has saved him right now is that he isn't accepted. And mainstream Hollywood still looks at wrestling not as a billion-dollar sports entertainment company that is the highest-rated highest thing on cable, one of the highest-rated things on network TV on a Friday night, sells out 160 countries on television, has a worldwide streaming deal. They look at it as this is still backroom, smoky, you know, back-alley bullshit. So what do you expect from a carny other than this is what he's going to do? So nobody's calling for his head there. On the other side, wrestling fans – really don't want to see Vince McMahon taking a task. He is the, the face of the company, the way Walt Disney is the face of Disney, the way Stan Lee is the face of Marvel. People want to love what they love. And if you bring down the guy associated with it, it runs the risk of ruining your ability to enjoy the content. So nobody's really pushing on either way. And Wall Street doesn't really care unless the money stops coming in. And the only thing that's been cut off was the Netflix documentary about Vince McMahon, which would have been like the, the, the Mr. Burns documentary of how soft and gentle that would have gone on uh, <laughs> onto Vince. Uh, Senior Spielberga would have directed it. It would have been brilliant. But the allegations, when you look at them on paper, you show it to a, a, a normal person, uh, they're going to be like, oh my God, this guy should be fired. Maybe he should be investigated, put in jail. It's not happening. And I don't think Vince is going to go down because there aren't the the villagers with with uh, flaming pitchforks demanding that Vince be removed. And it's it's definitely a sad commentary, but it is sort of the, the state of where this is right now. If he was successful in Hollywood, if the studio took off and everybody loved him, absolutely, he'd be gone tomorrow. But because it's wrestling, because people view it the way that they view it, he's almost getting a pass for what happened unless somebody actively does come forward and say, here's what happened to me and that they're credible and that people genuinely want to believe what it is. There are people who have made allegations about Vince in the past. They kind of get swept under the rug. It would be at this point, the dam has to burst and somebody has to come forward and say, here is what this man did to me. I'm, I'm the public face of it and we'll see what happens. So, so that was, the the touching on uh, the the Vince allegation stuff, uh, but we're gonna pivot to premium. I, 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 you know, um, I, I don't know if you wanted to comment on it, Mike. I was gonna yeah, give you the out. Yeah, it is it is impossible to find a way to talk when you're talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you great filibustering. Um, no, I I think like it's you know it's interesting to me, and and someone you know posted on, on our Facebook page about it about like i do not think that uh blaming the women or attacking the women like you know like fandom is toxic enough and you know this obviously the wwe offices are very toxic in their own way and the feeling of like oh this was all consensual that all this is all fair like well, one, that, that that coercion story is not consensual. And two, yeah, the power dynamics of all this are so fucked up. And, you know, in many ways, you know, I think wrestling fans, it is easier for us to not care about the stuff or, or you know, look the other way than to 
feel some kind of accountability for enabling it, you know, in the sense of like, oh, that's just Vince. Oh, that's just Flair. You know, like we we allow this shit in a way. I mean, and look, like our our show, the jokes that we make sometimes don't don't help with that. But you know, when we are talking about a, a real situation with real victims, I, I think it is important uh, to remember that there are real victims and um you know some of the things that i've just seen online said about these accusers is is kind of fucking gross um and um you know as much as you like to cheer uh no chance in hell and a 76 year old man strutting uh let's try to be people too (laughs) you know that would be that would be a nice stretch to ask uh, from some of these folks online. Not you guys, not the forbidden dorks. No, I will no. say no, but I'm gonna, and I want to say that here because this is a good opportunity to kind of point that out. The 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 culture around the show, the people who who tweet at us, who post on the Facebook group, who interact with us, have all been extremely respectful, really nice. It's it's good to see this sort of environment uh, for for wrestling fandom. But there is that other side that's out there that gets really ugly really fast and you see it throughout uh throughout entertainment and it has you know real real consequences uh i mean there was the uh the the broader entertainment story uh that was going on today that constance Wu was talking about that she attempted suicide because of the backlash against her uh being upset that fresh off the boat was continuing I mean, there's there's a real person behind the, the the trending topic a lot of the times. And when and when you have that sort of real vitriol against them, it can have significant damage and, and discouraging people from coming forward because of allegations after how many years have this been going on? Like, come on, like, seriously, you, you need to reprioritize wrestling would survive without Vince McMahon if he was not there. Uh, I can't believe I just said that sentence. I've, I, my paycheck's not coming this week, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out. But that sort of is sort of the explanation as to hey, why this guy is still going to be around for the time being, and since he's going to be around for the time being, uh, for our premium current event, the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment announced today that they are going to tv 14 for monday night raw so get ready to hear a lot more about ass yeah this is basically how can someone who runs a family you know friendly company do this kind of stuff well we're not family friendly anymore (laughs) exactly (laughs) It's it's such a weird pivot um yeah this is this is a fascinating uh discussion because this is a thing that has often been used as a as a criticism about the product um you know when people say it was better when it was tv 14 and all of that i mean i i truly believe that there have been um some good things in the pg era because let's you know i i feel like as we're talking about the tv 14 era coming back we should kind of eulogize the, the pg era a little bit um since that's ending now I think there's been a lot of great stuff. There's been some, you know, uh, big stars. Like, I don't think like, and look like, you know, to talk about AEW uh, for a sec in the comparison of this all, I don't think the fact that their TV 14, a lot of the times is the reason why I enjoy their product more. You know, sometimes, you know, all the, 
with the shits and blood and all of that. I, I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> and I don't think it, it, it equals better wrestling um, a lot of the time. I, I think that, you know, if this allows the wrestlers themselves a little bit more creative freedom and leeway, that's fine. But if it is just, ooh, I said a dirty word, you know, and, and that kind of stuff, like, it's not necessary. It, it, you know, when you think of, like, some of the most, like, heelish promos and heat-grabbing moments, it's not the shock stuff. It's the character stuff. It's, you know, the most simple shit that you feel emotionally, and it has nothing to do with PG or TV-14. I mean... Some of the best fucking movies uh, that make you cry and make you feel something are Pixar movies, you know? Um, so I don't think like PG equal, you know, instantly means bad storytelling or um, a, a hampering in a way. I think the fucking jargon they use, uh, local medical facility, WWE universe, all of that shit is way more. <laughs> and, and all the fucking nicknames they have to keep saying, that's way worse than... Uh, it being TVPG. Yes, but that, that's just to try to hide Vince's autism. There's just words that bother him, and he's like, Here, you have to say this word. If you say another word, it's going to hurt me. I'm going to twitch. Uh, the, the thing is, is that the PG, I, I was there for the, for the not PG era, and the PG era was great in the sense that it kept out a lot of really bad ideas. The number of transphobic storylines that probably would have continued to have occurred over the years uh, the, the number of, you know, racially insensitive things that would have continued over the years, chair shots to the head, excessive blood, thumbtacks, a lot of that stuff got, you know, tamped down or removed entirely because of PG. And people hated PG because of John Cena, because they liked when John Cena used to rap like Max Caster, and he would say provocative stuff, and then he became Superman. But like I've said a lot about my criticisms of AEW, you need to bring in young fans and you need to make it an environment where families can go and hook those young fans so that they stick around and watch. The WWE's first most successful time, I would say, would have been those 80s, which were very PG. You oh, weren't yeah. getting bad language. Occasionally you get blood. I think the 14 is going to free it up a little bit so you can get riddle making you know weed jokes to to make it funnier um i just hope that this doesn't take a step back with women's wrestling and try to push this more to you know divas stuff again and over sexualized nonsense because that used to be a you want to get a segment on on the air figure out a way to get the divas on in, in a segment where they're wearing a bikini and that's going to get on tv and some pudding and Yes, and, and I would putting and Jerry um, Lawler's commentary. Yeah, a lot of gross shit was, was back then too. Yeah, man. And, anything it, involving uh you know Lawler. You know, and it's fascinating the 80s of it all. You know, it's like because you know, Vince did like I, I think the kid thing, it was genius. I mean. And, and, and comparable in many ways to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because basically Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a territory comic. It was a small <laughs> indie comic that had blood and all that. You know, and wrestling was all territory based and was more like dingy and shit. And then, you know, it's like when it's so funny, like when the Ninja Turtles became a cartoon, that's when they gave them different color uh 
you know, mask. That's when Bebop and Rocksteady and like more mutants were created and shit. And it was like, you know, and Eastman and Laird at first are like, oh, this isn't the vision that we had. And they're like, wait, how many millions of dollars? Are we? <laughs> they they got every dollar I had for a few years at $3.99 a toy. I own every single you could make the same Raphael six different ways. I'm still but well, this one comes in a in a in a beret. This one comes in a trench coat. Fuck, just get, just take my money, and it works. Uh, yeah, you think, look at like the bushwhackers, you know, who were the sheep herders, and they're like, "Man, we love our time as bushwhackers because we made the most and we bled the least." And the the PG era happened in a lot of ways because of the Mattel deal. Yeah, you get you get a chance at better advertisers. You get a chance at at a different audience. They wanted a shot years ago at Coca Cola to advertise. At one point, you have to remember during the Attitude Era, the best brand they could get was RC Cola was actually advertising on SmackDown because nobody else would touch the product. It went that hardcore into the Attitude style extreme. Uh, so now. Going into 14, it's and it's all sort of self-regulated because well, let's get way too into FCC regulations. TV ratings on cable, you're sort of self-policed. It's really only on network TV that you really have to worry about what's said and not said and when it's said and when it's not said. Everything else is, are your advertisers happy? Are your investors happy? And I, I'll be curious. If you notice a marketable difference on Monday night, I don't know if they're going to do a barbed wire everywhere match. I mean, that sounds stupid. What company would do that? But I will, it'll be, uh, it'll get people talking and it'll get people talking about something other than, you know, what did Vince pay a lot of money for? So was, we'll was, see. I <laughs> it's so funny when, um, you know, uh, Tony Sirico uh, passed away at the, the end of last week, uh, rest in peace, Polly Walnuts. And seeing those Stacker 2 commercials that he was in with like Trish Stratus and uh, Bubba and all that. And it was like, this was all the commercials were. It was fucking Y2J Stacker with Triple H and, and Stacker 2 commercials. You know, y, Y2J Stinger, right? The y, it was the YJ Stinger. It was YJ the JVC Kaboom Box and <laughs> Castrol GTX. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, literally like oil and supplements <laughs> whereas if you go back to the early 90s it was all like acne cream and karate fighters so <laughs> you, you, you never know what it is and now in 2022 i watched three hours of raw i it's see Popeyes 70 and cricket wires exactly i see 75 sonic commercials and i don't have a sonic anywhere near me which is what makes it so funny a lot of cricket but they're smart when they integrate their wrestlers into those commercials it's what you want to do yeah the 14 thing I don't know what it gets them. I don't think that you were like, if you watch the show now, you're not hankering for something that you haven't seen on WWE TV. Are you going to get some more blood? Maybe, but given all the health issues that we know, it, it, it takes away some of the fun quote unquote of blood. And when they get edgier, they don't get more sophisticated. Bruce Pritchard is not about to write the wire on Monday night. Uh, you're going to get the shit that makes Conrad's man tits jiggle uh, on Monday Night Raw every week. And it's going to be, uh, 
it's going to be something, but it is worth worth talking about. Wait, the housing crisis that leaves lots of people displaced in, in need of quick mortgages. Exactly. Yes, I the, the, look. We we love being part of the Ad Free Shows Network, and and we're so excited that uh, Dan is going to be part of the roast of Ric Flair, while Scott and I will be sitting here not as part of the roast of Ric Flair. Now that we're bitter, we're very happy about it, but the fact that Conrad convince people to give Bruce Pritchard his their social security number is the greatest fucking carny trick <laughs> I've ever seen in the history of wrestling. God God bless you everyone at Save with Conrad uh, com. And I now because of a, a family event and work will not be able to be at the Ric Flair roast. I was going to do it. I am no longer able to do it. Uh, but Dan will be uh, representing uh, the Russell Roast family. Mike Lawrence will be hanging out with Mike Tyson, uh, not at the roast of, uh, of Ric Flair, but I'm sure big names are going to be announced. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we, we are hanging out at a bar called Unforeseen Circumstances. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be great seeing, you know, Tank Abbott and Kui Wee and Mark Madden roasting Ric Flair. I don't even know the fuck's part of the day is. <laughs> it's going to be great. And all for the low, low price of $400 to stream. So you can see that. And then the funeral of Ric Flair during his match. It's going to be great. But you know what's dope? AEW Dynamite. It's Dynamite or Dud. We're going to talk about it here. Just assume Scott loved absolutely everything about it. He <laughs> thought the commercials were great. There should have been more commercials. The fans looked amazing. Savannah, Georgia is is just is a lovely. It actually is a lovely town. It's it's nice. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's got it's got beautiful weather. Uh, and it's not just like, ah, it's where they film Forrest Gump or Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Scott loves AEW so much, he pops for Jake from State Farm. <laughs> Jake from State Farm's fantastic. Um, but uh, I'm sure, you know, JR has some, has some thoughts on him. So hour one of Dynamite, Orange Cassidy versus Wardlow, a video package of Pac defending the uh, all-Atlantic title in front of 15 people. Uh, Jericho cutting a promo about Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston cutting a promo in the back about Jericho. John Moxley versus Take a Shitta in a Champions Eliminator, some bullshit thing they didn't bother to explain match. A House of Black promo talking about Darby Allen. Christian going after other people's dead dads. Luchasaurus versus Griff Garrison. Man, they knew Mike was going to be back this week. And then the Jericho Appreciation Society talking about being locked in a shark cage. And then Daniel Garcia cutting a mean guy promo. Mike, I'll let you start this one. Oh, man. Um, I don't think a company has ever suffered as much from the absence of one wrestler as this company has with MJF. Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing like even like you know 2000 uh, or i guess late 99 when austin was injured they weren't able to pivot to the rock and and triple h uh successfully uh they have not been able to hear and it's it's amazing man like this christian character is so uncomfortable to watch because he doesn't look like he believes anything he says He's nervous the whole time. He he's never been that good on the mic. It's and it is like MJF light. Like he's saying the you know I mean he literally did it with the you know the blondes this weekend. And when you think about that amazing MJF Pillman interaction versus this, and it's just your dad's dead. But like there's no 
there's no funny lines there's no mugging afterwards even when he shits on the towns like he doesn't look like he's having a good time doing it i mean i i think mjf really is like that once in a lifetime talent who you believe what he says you truly think that he is that guy and i mean look he's working us all now we have I have no idea what he's doing. I don't know if he's actually injured, if this is part of a storyline, if he's legit mad with Tony. I, I have no idea. He's fucking working me. And uh, But I really miss him on this show. This show desperately needs him. I, I completely agree. This was... And it's this was Fighter Fest, which is strange that you're still going with a joke that's three years old. Um, it, it's because it's one of those things where you almost forgot about Firefest until this oh, comes totally. around. And you're like, oh yeah, that was a that was a thing, I guess. Um, yeah, and Mark, um, oh, should I continue talking about the hour or? Yeah, talk about first? the hour. Oh, Dan's yeah. not here. We can we can talk about the, the first hour in any way, shape, or form possible. And and, and and Scott's not here, so we could be honest about no, it. No, let me interrupt you and, in the middle of the right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought, you know, the, the Wardlow-Orange casting match was fun. Um, I would have built it a little bit more, but it was it was enjoyable. I mean, you know, this company, it really is so confusing to me. Like you had like Trent Beretta saying he's not in the best friends anymore. And now he's with Rocky Romero. But now he's just with Chuck Taylor and they're wearing tie dye. The second most embarrassing uh, use of tie dye. <laughs> is that hour two? That's uh, hour two. That's okay. hour two. Oh, it's the most right. embarrassing use of tie dye in hour one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I got a hold of my thoughts on, on oof. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, the, Jer- the Jericho's like this feud has made me miss uh, the pinnacle versus <laughs> inner circle. And that was overbloated. I think that was the worst thing MJF was a part of in the company because uh, it went on so long. This has gone on so long. This started out so hot with just Jericho and Kingston and their views on each other, that opening promo that they had, um, you know, the, the fucking opening match they had at Revolution, which was great. And Kingston won clean. And then now we just keep doing this shit. And, and even like, even though there's the Shark Tank fight next week after that you have yuda and garcia so you're still continuing <laughs> this you know you you've you've already had them in this anarchy and arena match you've had them in blood and guts and they're still doing like these solo matches like just let this fucking feud die and let these people do anything else but uh feud with each other because it has been death i think what i see the potential and how awesome the blackpool combat club can be even with Claudio uh, and, and Brian not there, and they're just continuing to do this fucking trash. It, it's just it's just not entertaining. I mean, I think that, uh, I'm sorry, entertaining, uh, as, as Matt Menard would say. <laughs> um, but I just think that this is the worst use of all of these people. And I don't know why Ruby Riot is in it now. Um, you know, but when, uh, was it when Eddie Kingston is cutting that promo, and Ortiz and Ruby are there. It, it felt like one of those for 30 cents a day, you can feed these kids. They look like sad fucking children next to him. And it's like she's got her well, little Have you seen how they're pushed? Yeah, well, that's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I just, I don't get uh, 
this, but you know, but then, yeah, then there are characters I like, and there are moments I like. So I'm like, okay, this this company isn't fully in the trash bin, but at the same time, it does not have a focus. It needs a focus, and it is missing one. And I and I can hear people saying, you know, this is their unfocused time because All Out is still a ways away. They just want to go put something entertaining out there. I, I get that to a degree, but when they or WWE is not directed and focused at something, it feels weird. What felt weird to me was doing Orange Cassidy and Wardlow. The match itself was definitely fun, but Wardlow, since that MJF feud, is been, has been very hit and miss with crowds. They gave him that stupid stuff with Mark Sterling, where he was fighting security guys, and the audience didn't really know how to react, and his responses have not been overwhelming, like, oh my god, we love this guy, he's the next Goldberg, which is what he was getting leading up to that MJF match. Like, you had a really white-hot baby face, and now it's been all falling action. And then you put him in there with Orange Cassidy, who has been ridiculously over, especially after the Will Ospreay stuff. And the audience didn't know how to respond. So you kind of hurt both guys in a little bit because you want them over the top cheering for Wardlow. Give him Ethan Page. Give him Jay Lethal. Give him somebody for him to beat who he can wrestle, have a decent match, and let the crowd cheer for him. Instead, it was wacky character and wacky character. There's a reason you never saw John Cena against Santino Morella because the audience would not know how to react. And that's what you open with here. In a match where you had, you know, a chainsaw involved at one point in time, which is just like, I get that, that, you know, Tony was probably pretty coked up at that moment, thought this was a good idea, but I don't know. Uh, the Jericho- you know part of the problem is like with Santino or Orange Cassidy, it's like, you're going to wrestle their match. They're not going to wrestle yep. yours. And you had cute moments, but then you, it's like, but to look at it, Wardlow is just a monster and Orange Cassidy is very much not. It's hard to cheer for Wardlow beating up the small skinny guy who's doing funny stuff. Like it's it's the uh, it's the opposite of like the old ads in the back of like comic books where they're kicking sand in some puny guy's face. You don't want to root for the muscle head like your Vince does, but you don't as an audience member. Uh, yeah, the Jericho Eddie Kingston stuff. This thing is never ending, and it feels like when you would play SmackDown on like the old storyline mode and you just change out the wrestlers, but it's the same storyline. And the worst is this is going to end. And then the Jericho appreciation society is going to move on to probably the Blackpool combat club. And we're going to get the same story with just those guys again. Uh, And then they'll move on to another stable and it's just going to go on and on lather, rinse, repeat while you have six other stables existing I'm sure Jericho and Eddie will try to pull something out that'll be fun. The Mimosa match Jericho made work. Uh, some of his other endeavors, uh, less so, but it's what the dude wants to do. That's fine. I liked Moxley versus Take a Shitta. Uh, I get that they're they're really trying to position this guy as like the next young Randy Orton, blue chipper. This is the guy to watch. He's been wrestling since he's 16. But again, you did a babyface, babyface match and then followed it up with a babyface, babyface match. Give the crowd in Savannah something to cheer for and something to boo, please. (laughs) Like, this is not that hard. I mean, okay, I'm going to call him Takeshita because Jim Cornette also does take a shitter, and I don't 
I don't want to be Jim Cornette. Uh, <laughs> so Takeshita, uh, I, I did it. Okay, I'm going to keep doing it. You you, you do you. I'll, and I'll say Takeshita, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep trying to, even though the other way is more fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also, I also, love, he calls the Young Bucks the Hardly Boys, but like you can also call the Hardy Boys the Hardly Boys at this point. <laughs> um, but, um, or the Hard Alcohol Boys, but no, I, I think doing you know, hard time soon, boys. Uh, so, my, my problem with the, the Takeshita thing is we've already seen this with Dante Martin, with Lee Moriarty, with uh, Wheeler Yuta. We and, saw it with Takeshita against Hangman Page. Yeah, but it's like they they find this, you know, the, the shiny new toy, and then they don't do anything with them, you know. And it's like, Michael, this... did you not see what happened with Dante Martin on Dark Elevation seven weeks ago <laughs> when him and Lee Moriarty had a barn burner for four and a half minutes? It was the <laughs> best match ever. You don't know what you're talking about. But it, but 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 to me, it, it, it's like just. Let's fast forward three months when Matt Seidel is also managing him. And also, why did they let Matt Seidel manage people? Because <laughs> he's known for talking <laughs> more than anything else. Uh, yeah. Christian talking about the dead the dad stuff. It, it feels like such a rerun. I get you needed Luchasaurus against Griff Garrison uh, for, a, for a quick squash. That's fine. Also, I thought it was weird because I thought he where he was going when he's like, who does Griff look like? I thought he was going to say Edge because I'm like, it's a tall, skinny guy with with really nice hair. Uh, but instead, it's Jungle Boy. And- I figured because he was young. And it was also, it felt like he was going to keep slamming them till that table broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I like Monster Luchasaurus. It works. Uh, yeah. Hour two. When, when would you bring Jungle Boy back? How long can you have this simmer without Jungle Boy? I feel they like a week give a, or two more. So they need to give a clear explanation as to where Jungle Boy is. It's like he's out, he's injured, something. He needs to send in a video. He needs to do something. It needs to be him filming like a video of, you know, I, I hear what you're doing and I'm coming for you. And then the reveal is that he's already in the arena and he run, comes running out and does the big heroic spirit of 76 and goes after luchasaurus but it's you know it's aw so if you take an unprotected chair shot uh during the match you can also have a match on rampage if you take it after the match we don't know when you'll be back that's true uh and <laughs> the other weird thing was brody king and darby allen they have this video package there was this video online where brody beat up darby at an autograph signing which is i love that i love the that's idea fun, yeah keeping stuff alive like you never know when something's going to happen that's super fun but rather than just show that segment and be like we're outraged at what happened and aw officials are investigating this and we're spending better we get one of those spooky uh you know queen album cover uh promos (laughs) mama mia mama mia (laughs) i keep thinking every time and this just feels like all right we're going to be stuck we're going to get this feud for a couple months when i felt like you could have moved to moxley and malachi and then isn't wasn't miro feuding Buddy with malachi matthews has a new shirt on pro wrestling hour two of this fucking ramshackle of a television show Hang, hangman adam page oh uh yeah here gets, we go gets oh. greeted by the dark order we're not even gonna go any further than this hangman adam page gets greeted by the dark order 
and they challenge uh, to a to a fight. The uh, I don't even remember who they challenged, but uh, the, the House it's, of Black, it's Brody and, and Malachi. Yeah. yeah, sorry, House of Black. Uh, Hangman Page's wardrobe has says sparked some interest in Mr. Lawrence. Oh man, this is I am here physically, but mentally, I want to be anywhere else. This fucking yoga mom who just got divorced as a tie dye shirt. Like, uh, and then just this fucking headband that, like, it, it's so funny because he accidentally looked as douchey as when the Young Bucks try on purpose. <laughs> you know, like, he, he looked like a Young Buck. Like, it was so fucking, and his hair, I mean, and they even introduced him as former champion. So that just made it feel sadder with the outfit. Like, and then, you know, he's all goofy and smiling with Silver and Reynolds. And, I mean, what a way to know uh, that your former main eventer is no longer in the main event. I mean, this was, like, comical to me. Yes. This this was – he's dressed like Rupert from Survivor. Oh. Um, <laughs> just, it, was, it was rough. I mean, I'm glad they put him on television, but he was just there for, like, attendance like is he, I know, he was just as rupert from survivor with one of his buffs yes. <laughs> but he wasn't immune to criticism uh no, no. uh jake hager took on claudio castagnoli in one of the best uh sunday night heat matches you'll ever see uh hook was backstage for a second and a half uh thunderstorm cut a promo and then were interrupted by Britt baker and jamie hater serena deeb took on anna jay uh, I'm feeling my life uh, suck out of my body. Jade Cargill and Stokely Hathaway had a promo. Then Anna and Ty Conti had a uh, had a, had a, uh, a promo. And then we'll save the main event. We'll talk about the main event separate. Let's just talk about the rest of hour two of Dynamite before we get to that main event. Let's talk about how impressive it is that Tony managed to fit all the women in one quarter hour. <laughs> yes, he, yeah. he got them all out of the way at once. Yeah, nine fifteen to nine thirty. Um, no, God, uh, Thunder Rosa is sneakily one of the worst promos in a long time. It's it's amazing because what's fascinating about the way that she talks is she doesn't have wrestling cadence, which you notice when Britt comes out and Britt has that very pronounced, you know, um, very clearly taking your time, speaking into the microphone, wrestling cadence and. Thunder Rosa is just is conversational, but not in a way <laughs> that is like organic. It just it just feels like anytime she's talking, someone had just yelled "cut." You know, <laughs> like it, it, it's so it's so weird. And and they show her losing. She lost a match, which I think was in another promotion, but they aired it on dark. And losing that match allows. Um, that person um, who I think is from uh, stardom or something now, now they get to challenge uh, Thunder Rosa for the, uh, the world title, but, it, but it's so interesting. Like, you know, they did this with um, Pac earlier in the show. I don't know if we mentioned, but you know, I they showed it briefly. The, yeah. yeah. They showed him like defending his title. And then this, they showed, uh, you know, Thunder losing. And, you know, I, I don't mind, the idea of dark airing like matches from other promotions. I think that's actually kind of cool. Um, but I think that 
having her lose and like and it wasn't even on t like she lost like so you still mentioned it but it wasn't even a big deal at all it was on it wasn't even on rampage and she is your champion like your champion should not be wrestling on on dark at all or you know or whatever or even in another company that airs on dark like she should be on rampage and dynamite exclusively because she's your fucking champion she should be the star of your division uh so that was weird to me um the hager claudio stuff was you know it's fun um you know uh yeah i felt like i was in 2013 um you know, I was like, I wonder what Ryback's up to. And then I remember what year I was in. And I'm like, oh, I know. And I wish I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I think this, so, you know, we will talk about the main event and it, it, it was a blast. Like, I think this show was like fun. I, I, I would not say it was a dud. It was breezy. It, you know, I mean, the thing about Dynamite is because of the pace and their inability to let things breathe. You don't dwell on the shitty stuff when you're watching it. Like, yeah, we, we may talk about it and linger on it here, but when you're watching, it's just you, you you're just moving to the next thing. Right. And then to the next thing, and then the next thing. And then when you're about to catch your breath, you're watching Excalibur uh struggling to catch his <laughs> as he announces everything that's gonna come in the next few weeks. That poor bastard. Um <laughs> I enjoy, I mean, Hager Claudio, I think Claudio gets the best out of Hager. They know each other well. There's something really creepy about a show in the South with them chanting We the People uh, as baby faces, given everything what that that stable represented at the time. Uh, not ideal. Uh, Jim Ross, during that match, forgot that he wasn't recording a podcast, which was so fantastic when he's like, I love this match because they're laying it in. They're laying their stuff in. Like, yes, they're supposed to. You're supposed to pretend this is real. You're not supposed to be talking about this like this is a performance. God bless you, Jim Ross. Um, Britt and Jamie bringing out the sandbag to take the shot at Thunder Rosa was just fantastic. Um, I, that that genuinely made me laugh. Thunder Rosa talks where in a way where she sounds so disingenuous with everything she's saying. Which is like, I'm just so happy to be here with you, Tony Storm, my partner. This is great. I love it. Like it's it's so, they already have t-shirts, by the way. That's pretty impressive. Oh, thunderstorm, yeah. Thunderstorm and that, has that's shirts. the thing. I don't I, I don't think it's like an English as a second because she's very fluent. Like I very it, fluent. It's just her cadences. It's the cadence that's weird. And it's also it's like I don't know what this character is, you know, because it's like she has half her face painted. Like the makeup looks fucking cool as hell. Yeah. But then she just talks like a sesame street character i mean she really should have been like the uh latina undertaker uh um, yeah because they say she's from the graveyards of tijuana she has the, the the face paint on it uh don't let her talk and just make her creepy and that would be so much better than this um serena deeb anna jay was i get you're trying to put anna jay in there with better wrestlers to make her better uh, this felt like I was watching wrestling school. Um, it was, it was tough. I get Anna Jay has improved for her, but this was really kind of clunky and clumsy. There when was there's a lot of botches. There's a lot of botches and there's so many better wrestlers. Like I've said this over and over, Chris Statlander is awesome. And the crowd was super into her. 
and then she just sort of vanishes from TV. I, I get, I think she's on Rampage and they mention her at some point, but keep putting, like when you get someone hot, keep putting them on television. I don't need to see Anna Jay who has not been on television in like three or four months. Uh, Ty Conte reminded us of. Yes, and then Ty Conte reminds it of us. And Ty, without Sammy, is totally devoid of charisma too, which kind of sucks. Like they work well as a smarmy duo. You should never have them not together making out. It's just, it's annoying heat and it works. Uh, which brings us to our main event. The, uh, and I'll, I'll concur with Mike even before this. This was definitely not a dud. It was a breezy show. There was a lot of fun stuff on it. But I, I said before, I said it was fun, but illogical at a lot of it. Uh, no more so than the main event. The Young Bucks against Hobbs and Starks against Swerve in their glory, in which Swerve, friend of the show, and Keith Lee, never listened to the show, won the AEW tag titles in a really fun, confusing triple threat match, where at one point Keith they forgot. Keith Lee, uh, friend of the same fast food restaurants our host frequent. <laughs> yes. Swerve, friend of the show, Keith Lee, friend of stretchy pants. Uh, but uh it's a triple bask in his robins <laughs> damn it that was good uh, uh, so good uh the strangest part of this match which I, I enjoyed the hell out of it when you're in a triple threat match there's no disqualification so you didn't need the ref bump like you built this big dramatic ref bump with belt shots and low blows but in a triple threat there's no dq so why does it matter you're creating drama where there isn't drama. And then the only slight negative I would take away from this is you have all out coming up. The clear match that everybody on the planet wanted to see was AEW tag champion, the young bucks versus every other tag champion FTR in an all or nothing kind of situation. And now we're not getting it. And it feels kind of weird. It feels very Vince Russo booking that you're clearly going in a direction and then we're going to swerve you, bro, and give it to swerve, bro. <laughs> for a main event on Dynamite, this was a blast. I don't love the triple threat tags when, when two people start out. Yeah, It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why wouldn't there be three at all times? Um, you know, and, and a lot of these matches, they do feel the same, which I, I feel like most of the time, the first seven minutes are very skippable. And then once everyone does get involved, it's, I mean, yeah, you're watching foreplay, but once the fucking starts, it's fun. <laughs> you know? Once everyone's like writhing and, and having a blast. Um, yeah. The FTR of it all. I, I agree with that in the sense that like, you know, I know that there's this once again, another, you know, fucking pay-per-view that isn't actually an AEW pay-per-view. Uh, but is, but isn't, uh, you know, but you have like, they're fighting the Briscoes again when they already won those titles and they've, but they've been the AEW number one contenders for a good while. And uh, if you look at the rankings, um, the most current ones are from yesterday before uh, the show aired. So um, team Taz and Swerve in his glory are number two and three. Uh, FTR is number one. Why wouldn't the number one contenders be the ones challenging? It makes no fucking sense. And uh, I, even though it's like, I also, 
the thing of like the melter of it all of let's just let, let's just put out a, a memorable a good match it's like when you think in terms of kayfabe that shouldn't like fully matter in the sense that like you should just want to win more titles or at least that's the character of these ftr guys but the whole thing is like yeah we know how much everyone loved our first match and the reviews that it got so we're gonna do it again because it was a classic we're gonna do another classic doesn't make sense as opposed to oh we already have three belts but we don't have these belts we'll go after the bucks right the only time it ever made sense when it was the reviews are so good we're gonna do it again was years and years ago when it was the hardys and Edge and Christian, they had the ladder match, and they were like the young up-and-coming guys. It was like No Mercy or something. Yeah. And they had him do a rematch because they're like, we all got noticed. This is going to get us on the roster and a prominent position. They this on air, and like, we're going to do it again. That makes sense. This was, yes, we're just going to remake uh, the, the, the pay-per-view match and just plug and play as needed and get this, this finish. When you've been teasing Swerve and Keith Lee turning on each other, because the last tag champions, Luchasaurus and, and uh, Jungle Boy, uh, turned on one another. I, I don't uh, I don't quite get it. And if they do hot shot it back to the Bucks to then hot shot it to do an FTR thing, this makes even less sense. Uh, the Ring of Honor pay-per-view doesn't bother me as much simply because Tony owns the property outright. Find a way to make your money. It's a mind-boggling that they're charging $30 for this show. I mean, that is, it's Danny Garcia and Wheeler Yuta, and I love Wheeler Yuta, but 30 bucks for that is, uh, there's a recession, Tony. Uh, I'm begging you to, to, to pay attention. Uh, leave, leave your fighter fest for a moment and see what's going on. Uh, they charge yeah. 50 for that fucking Forbidden Door show. Which where made there up, were, where there are no repercussions at all storyline wise. <laughs> correct. Outside of the viruses on Scott's computer from trying to stream that show. <laughs> no repercussions. Um, and this is, this is a brief aside as we're talking about AEW. We're going to get it's esoteric and nerdy because that's where we are right now. I went and saw uh, Thor Love and Thunder. And, and if you haven't seen it for some reason, um, you can kind of skip ahead a little bit, but one of the things that has struck me about phase four of Marvel, of the Marvel cinematic universe, and I'm a massive Marvel mark, um, phase four feels a lot like AEW right now, where it's a lot of very narrow fan service. It's a little directionless, and they're kind of getting in this weird habit of you need to know someone who knows everything about Marvel in order to understand and appreciate everything that you're seeing. Uh, and the I top think, stars you loved aren't around as much. And the top stars you <laughs> love are not there anymore. Um, and they're trying to replace them with, with lesser than versions. I, yeah. you know, I think it's like Dr. Strange and Multiverse of Madness was a lot of fan service that felt very New Japan uh, Dominion. And some of it worked for me. Big fan of the X-Men cartoon as a kid. Super excited to see like, it's like, it's not only is it Professor X, it's him in the yellow wheelchair and they play the theme song and all this stuff that I always bag on AEW for. I marked out in that little moment. Uh, and it was cool seeing John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. But then it's, was there a coherent story to that movie? You no. needed to have seen all of WandaVision in order to understand the arc of what you were getting. And you just kind of got stuffed 
And then at the end, it's like Charlize Theron pops in and you're like, well, who is that? Well, if you didn't see her in PWG, then you don't understand the importance of this Charlize Theron appearance. <laughs> you're just seeing Excalibur going, it's Clea, it's Clea. <laughs> she was his girlfriend in the comics. This is huge. And I then, know, man. Yeah. It's, and then uh... Thor, and then Thor, Love and, and, and Thunder, which was a very good movie, felt a lot like this Dynamite main event, which was, did you really like Ragnarok? Well, we're going to remind you of the stuff you liked about Ragnarok and it's going to be okay. And then it's going to end with, we, we've finished the bad guy, but now here comes the next bad guy. And now you need to pay money to go see this. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I was reading a statistic that the MCU um, has had uh, phase four so far has had 55 hours of content if you uh include all the movies and tv shows which is insane <laughs> um and uh you know and a lot of it is yeah it's it feels like work now and it's it's, it's an interesting thing you know as someone who knows most of it like and and really isn't in, in the thick of it all and even reads like some of the modern comics you know, I knew who Gore, the God Butcher, was and, and all that stuff. But it is interesting where it's like, you know, you could have, if you're going to set shit up, you could have had him at the end of Eternals. You could have had uh, Jane Foster uh, being sick somewhere else. You know, it is interesting how some things are so self-contained, but then other things are so, like, you've got to pay attention. And, and I mean... I would say that the weird Scarlet Witch heel turn was as uncomfortable as the Christian heel turn. <laughs> yes. And, and based on what they've said, it was a lot of they had to move stuff around because of COVID and Multiverse of Madness was supposed to happen before WandaVision. So you had WandaVision of the arc of her turning heel and then baby face. And then you have this movie where she's back to being a heel again and then has redemption. It's it was really odd uh and and there is no sort of through line to what you're doing here it's like infinity war and endgame that should have been it as much as that pains me to say it like that was the perfect end to 23 motion pictures and you stuck the landing and and now you're like well what do we do now and and it feels a lot like AEW where they had their big pinnacle moments and everything now is just kind of well, we don't really know what else to do, but we're just going to keep doing it because we make money. And and I hope Marvel figures it out. And and unlike you, like the stuff that I loved the most were the X-Men stuff. And that doesn't exist anywhere here. So I can't be like, oh, my God, the movie ended with Omega Red showing up. This is huge. Uh, it's it's a little odd, but uh, it, it's so rare that, you know, we, we have the uh, the chance to do the, the the comic book movie conversations. Though I have not seen miss marvel yet and people seem to love that so i've not seen it either um i i didn't see moon knight either i i got you know it's like where i was a little burned out on wrestling and i was like hey, you know I, I think i'm gonna step away for a little bit it was the same where you know we we watch stuff you know we consume things because we love it and if it ever feels like work you shouldn't do it you know if you as a wrestling fan or watching something out of obligation, you should not do that. Do something that is going to make you happy. Do something instead. You, you know what? You know what's funny? Um, when I I got this new job and I had to reschedule my therapy, 
And my therapist was like, I have Wednesdays at 5 p.m., which <laughs> is when Dynamite airs in L.A. And I was like, you know what? I'll do it. And so, you know, what? it's kind of amazing. So it's like so I, I go to therapy and then I'll, you know, I'll listen to, you know, you guys might tell me something or I'll, I'll read like a Scott Keith review or something. And if there is something really worth checking out, you know, I watched uh, this one because, you know, we were reviewing it, but like, if there's something worth really checking out, then I will. And, um, but I'm not just watching because I have to watch it. And if I'm going to watch, it's because I want to watch. And that is a freeing feeling as a, as a, a fanboy of anything. I mean, I remember what I watched Iron Fist episode one. Oh God. And I turned it off and I was like, I'm out. Um, that made me so happy. And I was like, you know what, man, life is short. There's so many other things. There's so many other, like, you know, great sh shows I haven't seen, you know, great books I haven't read, um, fun conversations I haven't had with my wife. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something else. And, uh, and then when I do go back to the thing, it's like, oh, I like it again because it's not work. Like, you know, we, most of us, you know, who probably listen to this, you're probably in your 20s, your 30s, 40s, maybe 50s. You already have a job. And being a fan should not be a job as well. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I think there's something very much to that. If I, if I ever, I mean, as much as I like will bury the product, I still enjoy watching it when I'm watching it, even when it's not great or watching people I know do well and, and get enjoyment out of it. But like there are some of the DC stuff that I just can't bring myself to watch because it seems terrible. And I just I have no I have not seen Wonder Woman 1984 and I heard it's awful and I have no real burning desire to go and watch it. Am I going to go and watch anything Marvel puts out because it's, I do? Yes. But I, I know to have the lowered expectations of it's it might not reach the peak of what it reached before. And, and that's OK. I watched, you know, some of my favorite shows fell off, but you still watch them to the end and you still enjoy them in, in different degrees. I love the West Wing, but I can tell the second Sorkin left the show, it was a totally different show. And I still watched it till the, you know, the, the, the bitter end. And you find things to uh, to love and enjoy. You get high spots, you get low spots. Not that I'm pivoting to the next topic or anything. It's seamless here. You get Simpsons seasons one through nine. You get Simpsons seasons ten through thirty-four. Seasons one through eight and part of nine, and then they go to like military school. And you're like, I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. Uh, <laughs> That's a good episode. It's it's it has good part. It had definitely has good, and it has one of my favorite lines, which was. Uh, it was worth sneaking into town. That was some good corn, which is the one of the best non sequiturs. Just that was why that show was so frigging good. But that, but that episode is still great because it still was about the relationship of Bart and Lisa. Yeah, it was still a show about a family before it went like super wacky and I don't know what this is anymore. I can't tell you the last episode of that show I've watched uh, from when it's new. Like I'll, if it's on FXX and I'll look and I'll be like season six and i'm like i'm all in if it's hank scorpio you got my you got my attention for 30 minutes and i'm still gonna laugh at it as if it was the first time i ever saw it uh but yeah it's continuing on and and god bless all of them for getting paychecks um and there were a lot of talented people working on it in those later years i just haven't brought myself to watch it um but uh we'll do, let's do some uh, high spot low spots here mike what was your high spot of the week my high spot of the week um you know 
doing this show. It's fun. You know, it's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll, we'll talk about nerdy shit. This will be a little bit different. Um, yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm digging this. And, you know, I mean, it's also because we already mentioned the no holds barred action figure. Yeah. <laughs> So, so when I can't be honest, I'll be sentimental. Um, and this has been really fun. And um, I hope to not be a stranger. I hope, uh, you know, certain roasts I, I will want to do, you know, and, and, and certain things I will want to come back for if, if, if I had the time for it. Like today, like my job was like, we're starting at 4.30 p.m. And so I was like, oh, I'm able to record this at two. Uh, <laughs> you know, but a lot of times I wouldn't be able to, so. It's sad that you're like four thirty. That's seven thirty my time. That feels really late at night. That's that's uh, I'm ready. I'm almost ready for for bed at that point. But that or, but that's when we start, and it's only gonna be a couple. Of, and it's also because one of the other uh, writers is in another country, so we're just like, oh, that's that that works. Oh, have yeah. this random side point. Have you watched Hacks? No, I have not. The, so it's a very funny show. I hear it's the, great. Yeah. The strangest thing about this, I don't know which writer it is. They're plugging in very specific WWE references, and it's happened more than once. Like, there is a point where they're talking about their favorite diva of the late 90s, and I'm watching HBO, and they're like, oh, I really like Ivory and Jacqueline. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and then there was a joke about Roman Reigns going to AEW, and I'm like, this is like, my wife looked at me, and she's like, are you secretly writing this show and didn't tell me? I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, the, that's the surprise there. Um, also, it's weird because the girl on it is Lorraine Newman's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Newman. Um, I, I will I will say that uh, just about every writer's room uh, you could think of, there was probably at least one wrestling fan. Um, one, of, one of my best friends now, uh, you know, Alex Sherman, who I mentioned before, we met while writing on Upload, and uh, he works on Our Flag Means Death with, with his wife, um, uh, that Tega Waititi show, and it's like, He's my wrestling, he's my LA wrestling pal, you know, it's because it's like, if you, you find someone else who, if you find someone else who used to like it, that's one thing. And you can talk about what it used to be, but if you find someone else who likes it now, holy shit, is it a fucking amazing bonding experience where you get to isolate uh, and alienate yourself from everyone else. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause that's, that to me has been the most fun thing with, uh, first with Twitter was connecting with random people outside of wrestling who I like and admire. And then like, I find out like, Oh, they happen to be huge wrestling fans. So you can have this very nerdy conversation uh, about wrestling around people who want nothing to do with this. One of my favorite experiences ever in, in life was uh, James Monroe Iglehart, who who is absolutely incredible. Tony award winner for Aladdin. Was He's doing, the genie, right? I love that. The guy. genie and Aladdin. He was doing, he, he's in Hamilton. He did. I, we met through Twitter. He did my old podcast years ago. We've been friends ever since. We finally went up to New York a few years ago. He's like, oh, have you seen Hamilton yet? I'm like, kind of a hard ticket to get at the time. He's like, bring the wife. You're going to go. You'll come see me on the show. I'm like, that's fantastic. They, he let us come up after the show. We got to go up on stage and talk to him. My wife's a huge Broadway fan. This is the dream of hers. And he and I stood there for 20 minutes talking pro wrestling. And you could just see like the blood pour out of her face for a minute where she's like, this is the greatest moment ever. And we're standing here on a Broadway stage talking about pro wrestling. And like, it's this the, is how we got the ticket. All right. <laughs> it's, it, but this is the beauty of, of wrestling. It's why it's so much fun. Um, anyway, uh, my, my high spot of the week, uh, speaking of, of, of James, uh, a mutual friend of ours with him, 
the, the fine folks at New Day and Big E announced uh, that uh, he is going to be making a full recovery and will be returning in 2023 from his neck injury, which is fantastic. And he also posted, because this makes me so much happier, uh, and that's great news and all that, but that he's been going to the gym and the gym that he goes to in Tampa is the same gym that Dan Spivey goes to. And he finally worked up the courage to approach Spivey and get a picture with him. And he posted it on Twitter. And there's something so great about him being a fan of Spivey and having to approach him to get the, uh, the photo and the picture's fantastic. And, and Waylon Mercy is such a great underrated character. Uh, Mike, what's your low spot? My low spot is this Vince stuff. Yeah, it's fucking, um, you know, embarrassing. It's, and it is one of those things that non-wrestling fans, oh, have you heard about fans? I'm like, yes, I'm aware. Um, I, I, hope, I hope this is it. I, I genuinely do. Maybe that's mean, but he is a terrible person. And uh, it's time to pay the piper because he never paid Roddy what he was worth. <laughs> uh, my, my low spot is all the stuff that was going on with uh, Jordan Grace, uh, with uh, Benoit. She had posted on Twitter about we need to stop watching Benoit matches. We need to stop talking about Benoit. He's a murderer. And then because of bullying on social media, including from Chris Jericho and Chavo Guerrero, she has now partnered up with Benoit's son to, to raise awareness about CTE. And it's just a big, uncomfortable thing. I get that it's challenging for some of those guys like, like you know, uh, Chavo and, and Jericho, that Benoit was a friend of theirs. And they're trying to reckon with what happened, but I don't think it's a hot take for somebody to say, I don't feel comfortable watching their stuff and I don't want them part of my community anymore because of what they did. Um, I always well, have, she said like he couldn't hang with like today's wrestlers. Yeah, yeah that, that was a weird, I mean, look, I like, think she's trying to take the, she's like yeah. angry and lashing out at somebody for what they did, but it's just an ugly situation all around. And doesn't need to be a continuing conversation that people keep bringing it up because no good comes of that. No one's suddenly going to hear that conversation yeah. and it's going to make sense again. Yeah, and you know who also spoke out was Nancy's sister, who's like, yeah, once again, I'm left out of the narrative completely. Yeah, I think and that's that's part of it. It's yeah, it's, a it's it's uncomfortable. Actually, a uh, former coworker of mine, John Carlin, is on Wrestle WrestleNomics. I don't have what the thing. Uh, this weekend, he was talking about our time in, on VOD and the issues with Benoit after. And like, he just became, you cut him out of everything. He doesn't exist. We don't highlight matches. The the dude never happened. Um, and some in some ways, that's the the only way to handle this is you, you, you lock him away. The only other person that got that ban for WWE was rock and roll Buck Zumoff. Speaking, go Google that. Dan will give you a forty-five minute recitation. Dude, I gotta, I gotta take a call. You want to just? Oh, wrap that's up? fine. We're gonna wrap it up right now. So uh, I'll let. Yeah, Mike Lawrence comedy on Instagram. All right. Uh, anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH for the Patreon this weekend. We are doing Bash at the Beach 96 and for something to sports entertainment with in the $10 tier, uh, because I didn't get a chance to cover Raw this weekend as a bonus double episode. I'll be covering this week's Raw and SmackDown and Rampage. It's going to be great. On behalf of uh, Mike and Zach and Dan and Scott and all of us here at WrestleRose, best of luck in your future endeavors.